Radio.com. This is the College Nation Radio Show. I'm the chief host of the Voice of the College Nation Radio Show, College Genesis. And tonight we got a real explosive show coming off the fire from last week's show, talking about Akun or Akon, whatever the clown name is. Tonight's topic is one of the installments of a uh, different series we call uh, different installments, uh, The Enemy Within. Now, tonight's Enemy Within is the misfits among us. Now, when I say misfits, right, we have we in the black community have this thing that we have to be all inclusive for everybody. And we have never grasped the fact that that in any culture, any society, there are going to be people who are exalted, people who are praised, and for whatever reason, that people that are not going to achieve status no matter what they do. It's by looks, it could be family background, it could be uh, wealth, uh, achievement, whatever it is, popularity. That's the way it is in all societies, in all cultures. And black America is no different. And I want to open tonight's show by saying that's okay. And what we have in our culture right now is that the misfits have taken over. They've taken over. They've aligned themselves with Jewish money, white money, and uh, uh, some of them are uh, uh, conservatives. You know, like the Candace Owens of the world and stuff like that, who preach a bunch of anti-black re- rhetoric, and for the for the Republicans and all these other races. And I, I'm not saying all Republicans are racist, but I'm just saying, you know, that's the core. Of, that's who hangs out with that crowd. And then you got the people who don't like our values in our community, who join with the LGBTQ and all these other w- white misfits. And so what you have is the misfits, right? They use shaming tactics. They browbeat you into submission to accept their nonsense, to accept the natural social order that governs uh, human behavior, that basically sets out a, a mandate on how society or culture should function. They feel oppressed by the rules of the culture and society. A woman uh, who decides that, you know something, uh, marriage is not for her. And so, therefore, uh, I'm not going to have kids and everything. That's one thing. It's always been women like that. But what you don't have is the woman that basically says, not only is marriage not for me, but it's not for any woman. And so let's create a system of welfare and stuff like that, that we can give women this freedom because the woman in the kitchen that's choosing to be a marriage is really brainwashed and oppressed. And this, this sort of thinking we have not been privy to because everyone thing, everything, anytime someone feels like they're marginalized, what's, what group do they come to for support? The black community. You always go to the black community when you got whatever uh, nonsense. You even got uh, people who practice Satanism, right? who are now trying to compare their struggle to Rosa Parks. A woman that was put on the back of the, told to get up a seat for a, a white passenger on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, well, I, my history, I think, you know, Birmingham, Alabama, 
Now they're saying we're not going to be the Rosa Parks. The gays, like, we're not going to be on the back of the bus. They feel entitled to, they, even though they're a marginal group. The marginal group are the loudest people. You ever notice that? And to the point where, because if you look at social media, you would think these marginal 1% of the population is half the population. Because their message is broadcast and magnified, and they got they get support in the mainstream. So you feel intimidated. I got we have to sit back and uh, let our culture go down because somebody decides he wants to be a gangbanger and stuff like that. He comes from an oppressed background. Well, a lot of us come from a oppressed background, but there's no excuse for go out there and robbing and killing and selling dope to people, right? This is what we're talking about tonight. This is going to be an explosive show. I'm going to say some things that's going to upset people, but that's okay. It's better to be pissed off than pissed on. And I'm tired of getting pissed on. So I'm pissed off. The enemy within, dealing with the misfits in our culture. And this is not just uh, 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 the popular culture. It extends to uh, people in the Pan-African, the Black conscious community. And I've been doing a lot of soul searching, right? And I love the Nation of Islam. But I'm trying to say, is the Nation of Islam part of that enemy within? You know, the misfits. I must say something. The black community, for the most part, <clears throat> is conservative. They're Christian. They're tolerant. They're loving and forgiving. That's who we are. For better or for worse, that's just who we are as a people. We don't have animus towards other races, just uh, people who uh, just, uh, you, we're the only group of people that don't sit there and hate, another, have no, never known to hate another race of people. We always identify with the oppressed. We always identify with people who, uh, who are getting picked on. We always, uh, the people who get picked on, the people who are oppressed, always tug at our heartstrings. That's why we supported the apartheid, anti-apartheid movement in South Africa when we didn't have to. That's why a lot of black people support Ukraine. Even though when you look at it, Ukraine is basically a, a, a neo-Nazi state. It's been, it's been the world headquarters of the neo-Nazi movement. Putin was right about that. But we saw... Big Russia and little Ukraine. So we didn't mind our tax dollars going over there to support Ukraine because that's just who we are. And a lot of times we're wrong about who we choose to support. The Israel and the Palestines. Black America has a, a, an affinity for the Palestinians. Why? Because Israel is, is powerful, is a developed country, and everything, even though black people uh believe in the bible and they believe in uh judaism and christian judeo-christian principles and everything like that and they uh talk about the jews being a chosen people and all stuff like this but when it comes to politics and everything we can't help but see palestinians even though the palestinians are the ones sending bombs suicide bombs blowing israelis up we always side with the underdog that's who we are but it seems that uh, that same thing is never reciprocated with us. The world opinion on black America 
the racist infrastructure, the racist media propaganda had the world convinced that we're the most horrible thing in America. We're screwing up America. And the world doesn't sit back and say, you know something? These people, maybe these people are good people. I was watching a, uh, a TikTok the other day, and his sister was in Ghana, and she said she was talking to some uh, Africans in the bar in a, uh, in a lounge, and the guy was saying, "Yeah, you know, you guys need to come back to Africa, and learn of it. Then you'll stop all that gang banging." So, and and I hope she corrected him. Then people in the comments like, "Why does he think we're all over here gang banging?" That's what they see in the media. We're not all here gang banging and stuff like this. We're not all here getting involved in drugs and crime. But that's the perception because of the uh, culture that we export by the misfits in our culture. The misfits and the fools and the people that uh, that put out black uh, images around the world are destroying who we destroying our image. To the point where, and I said this before, I said the enemy, uh, uh, the uh, the pressure is not going to come from the right. I think you guys missed the mark with Donald Trump. It's going to come with people who prepare. This guy that got this book out called uh, the, woke, the Racist Woke Left. People who purport to be helping us. Uh, boy, I got so much to share tonight. We're going to talk about the, the sister train that's going, uh, train that's going on TikTok. I support these sisters. Black sisters who just want to uh, link with other black sisters on TikTok. And white women, white liberal women are up in arms about it. Even making racial comments. They're saying, look, this is for a space for our sisters, black women. We don't want you here. And you got people, oh, that's racist. That's racist. And so there's a whole lot going on. And I think black America is going through a fundamental change in how we see the world and how we see our politics. Oh, yes, we got a good show tonight, folks. The enemy within, dealing with the misfits in our community, the people that don't want to get on code with us, the people that people that want to use every trick to undermine who we are, the people that want to use anything. You got people out here now talking about, oh, Afrobeats and is better than black music. Are you kidding me? You know that song I just played, Hot Music, right? The video. I wish I could see people see it. It was a bunch of dance moves from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, right? Then at the last uh, two minutes of it, they played uh, breakdancing. The best moves I've ever seen in my dance I've ever seen in my life. That's who we are. But we were made by the misfits to say, oh, you're just a bunch of foot shuffling Negroes. Think about that for a second. When somebody says... You're a bunch of foot shuffling Negroes. Let me tell you who these Negroes are who said that. These are the guys that are squares, the nerds. When they go to a party or something like that, they can't dance. Remember LL Cool J has on for playing tonight. You can't dance. The dudes that can't dance. The dudes that's awkward. The dudes that have no swag, no style, natural swag and style that we have as black people in our culture. So you go, they go around the community. They don't basically, they're not on code with the dress code and everything like that. They, you know, you know, they don't wear the back of the day, they don't wear the crease in their pants. 
you got to have your lace sneakers a certain way. You know, when you out dressed up, you got to have your clothes got to be sharp and everything like that, you know, because black people, we held ourselves to these standards. You look at old pictures from Harlem. Even the bums had a shirt and tie on before he went out in public. Because nobody wanted to look like the outcast. Nobody wanted to look like a vagabond, a bum. Everybody wanted to look sharp. Everybody wanted to look like there was somebody. Found the midst of taking over and said, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to dress good. You can let your pants sag. You look like a bum. To the point where you wear a suit and everybody's like, oh man, you a deacon or something like that? No. Look how culture changed over a generation. Because we let the misfits, the fools, the scrubs, the scrounges, the lowlifes, the dregs take over our culture. We have to get back uh, get back to who we are as a people. And a lot of it is how we appear. How we appear is important to who we are. I see this all the time, right? And I, I and it just it just bothers me how our culture has evolved. And uh, I see the fact that a lot of people in my the Pan-African community, right? And I'm asking certain people, do you have a love for black culture? If I talk to you and you never heard of watching, a lot of, a lot of it has to do with that you grow up around black people. If you don't grow up around black people, you don't, you don't understand that the stuff you see right now is not black America culture. The stuff that the culture has went down, but you never give up on your people. You say, this is who we are. But you don't wholesalely throw your culture up. My brother, Mufasa, story, he wrote a uh, thing on Facebook. And I had, him and I had a long talk. He's a young brother, man. He's been listening to me when I was on Block Talk Radio since 2009. Long time. And uh, he was like 21 years old at the time. He's like 35 now. And uh, he travels to the African continent. He, he's a uh, filmmaker and he does stuff like that. He does high level stuff like that. And he, he travels to uh, uh, the Caribbean. He travels to Africa all the time. You know, with him and his daughter. He takes his daughter with him and travels. And, and I talked to him last night, right? And I asked him about, uh, we talked about the fact that certain people, friends of ours, uh, would bow down to the the king in Yoruba land in Nigeria. And I said, I would never bow. He said, well, is that because, Kala, you're very Western? I said, no, I had nothing to do with my being Western. And we had a debate. Talked for four hours. But finally, I got him to see. You don't bow down to anybody. And he says, well, Kala, I see you wear a lot of, you don't wear a lot of African stuff. I do. I said, I was on Bomani Charlie, so I do did see you on that. But I don't feel like I have to wear dashiki Right and dress like uh like I'm an Afro an African national to be accepted. When I see Africans wearing Timberlands and 
Feli and all the stuff like this. When I, why do I got to freaking divorce myself for the way I dress? I said, we have our own fashion. That's maybe a white man. I said, Sean John, Rockaway, Carker Nine, all that. Well, they white. Well, you know, see, you can't say that. If we wear a suit and tie and everything, or jeans and everything like that, that's not dressing white. Just just dressing. That's how we dress. You got people that get disgusted. They call themselves Pan-Average, get disgusted when they see black people just wearing regular clothes. That's because not because they're trying to embrace Africa. They just reject who they are. So, therefore, it's unfair to the Africans uh, because they have their style, their dress and everything, their traditional dress and everything. That's fine. But just if I want to go over there and I want to put that on for a day and everything, that's fine. If I don't want to put that on, that's fine, too. That's what's called being a free person. But when somebody says, uh, look how the Nigerians dress, they wear dress. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I, I'm more concerned about the Nigerians' countries falling apart than how they look when they dress. Dressing is an outward display of stuff. Dressing in a traditional African garb does not make you more African. You could dress in African garb with the kufi and everything like that and still be a Negro peon. You could still be a race trader and a sellout. The point I'm trying to make is that we have people, and then I had to, and then he had to see that all he was doing was practicing self hate. Because a lot of people in the Pan African community and the Black Muslim community secretly hate being black in America. And I'm going to talk about the Alibaba culture again. You know, where does this come from? Why do people call themselves Hebrew Israelites? Why do people call themselves Moors? These are misfits. These are people who don't want to basically own the fact that they are descendants of the transatlantic slave trade. And that's really painful thing. They want to change their history. Some of them say, Oh, I'm a Native American. I'm not African. Dude, I'm looking at nappy head of yours right now. I'm Native American. I'm copper toe. Nigga, you're black. That big wide nose on you. You're black. You're not Native American. To the point where they're saying Native American, show a picture of Native Americans. Oh, those are fake Indians. Those are real Native Americans. They got the feathers, everything like that. They're practicing their customs and everything. You can't speak any of that, those Native indigenous languages, but you're a real Indian, and these people aren't. The Dane Callaways of the world. These are misfits. These are people who don't want to be black, don't want to accept their heritage, what they are and everything. So that's fine. But these people won't stop at that. Just like the lady who's single and says, I don't want to marry. She wants to basically go around uh, making it hard for marriages to exist. That's why all these child support laws and everything by people who really hate marriage. Why do you think they incentivize women to leave their husbands to live like that? These are people who fundamentally don't like marriage, don't like this. So they think they're rescuing women from an abusive situation. Oh, yes, we got a good show tonight, folks. Yes, we're going to spit the fire. Yes, we're going to tear shit up tonight. We're going to tear shit up and we're going to spit fire. Because this is a conversation that needs to be had. 
I want to know. Have you been lied to all these years? Anytime somebody comes along with a cult, and right away we got to change how we look and change what we eat and everything. I mean, I don't eat pork. That's because I used to follow the nation of Islam at one time. I still don't eat it. But I I, I realized back then, or now, that not only that they don't like us eating pork, they said we shouldn't eat collard greens. Okay? We shouldn't eat watermelon. But these are things associated with the black African American. So what happens is black people start giving up on their soul food and stuff like that. And like somebody like Paula Dean comes and gets rich off it with her on the food channel, and suddenly, oh, she's appropriating black culture. Well, you gave that up. You say the Hispanics are appropriating breakdancing. You said that was those are foot shuffling Negroes. So other people, Caribbeans and everybody took took that those dance moves and whatnot and made it an art form. You didn't want it. You let the misfits tell you that you were uh, foot shuffling and cooning and everything like that when it was just a dance form. You couldn't vision going out there, conquering the white man's world with education and still have your culture too. Other people don't give up who they are and what they've been through. Like, give me a perfect example. Dr. Mulana Karinga that founded Kwanzaa. Says, oh, this like Kwanzaa has nothing to do with black African American culture. So what we adopted. But he said jumping the broom was bad. Because it's not coming from Africa or whatnot, you know? So in other words, basically it claimed from slavery. Wasn't we in slavery? Aren't those our ancestors? So if they jumped the broom, why can't we preserve that? There's a lot of people in our culture that I don't know whether they really love us. I I, I have no idea. But they can't come to realize and accept us for who we are. And and this is what we're talking about. The enemy of thing. So uh, we're going to talk about that tonight, folks. We're not playing tonight. We're going to basically rock the house. We're going to set the roof on fire. Since we started late tonight, okay, this is the end of the first segment. So, uh, so we're going by the segments that are going to be now 11.45, 12.15, and then we're going to conclude at 1.45. Okay? So, Mom's in my business, she's in my business. Can't you see, girl? Your mom is trying to end this. Your mom's in our business. I tell your mom to mind our business. Before I let go, your mom's in our business. She's in our business. Can't you see, girl? That your mom's trying to end this. Your mom's in our business. I tell your mom to mind our business. Before I let go, when I for such your mom's, I give your mom respect for my hair. How would you ever go become somebody's wife? But at the age of 22, you let your mother run your life? Me, I'm not the type to tell your mom to get lost. 
yell out loud to flip and get my point across. See, I think you should tell your mom to leave us two alone and stop reading. I love letters and he's dropping on the phone. Cause if you really like me, you let your mommy know she got a mind of business. Before I let go, your mom is in our business. She's in our business. Can't you see, girl? Your mom's trying to end this. Your mom's in our business. Let's tell your mom to mind our business. Your mom's in our business. She's in our business. Can't you see, girl? That your mom's trying to end this. Your mom's in our business. Let's tell your mom to mind our business. Remember your sister and her boyfriend, Sam C. Your mama's the real reason why your sister lost a man. Home and Sam went together for a real long time. But Sam controlled the body while your mom controlled her mind. Not saying she was hurt when your mom made a breakup. Deep down, I can tell, though, your sister wanted to make up with Sam because she wanted to become his wife. And now she can't do that because your mother runs a life like you, baby. You do the same things, too. You always want to do the crazy things your mommy wants you to do. Like when we went to the movie, she had to come along. I went back and forth and forth and back from Phoenix and Popcorn. She took advantage because I was living fat. I couldn't even watch the movie. She kept me running back for something that she wanted somewhere else in the store. I walked and got it all in all to the message of the more. And when I got back to the car, she took a time to move over. When I sat in the car, my movie was like over. I was mad, hurt. I didn't want to talk deep down. I wanted you and your mommy both to walk. I took your home anyway. Like what the heck, as I was raised to treat people's mothers with respect. But when we got to your home, we wasn't left alone. She waited there in the car with us until I headed home. You called me on the phone. Saying you were alone, but that's a lie, cause I heard your mom breathing on the phone. And if you really like me, just let your mom know, she's your mom of business. Your mom's is in our business, she's in our business. Can't you see, girl, your mom's trying to end this, your mom's in our business. Let's tell your mom's mind of business. Your mom's in our business, she's in our business. Can't you see, girl, your mom's is trying to end this, your mom's in our business. Let's tell your mom's mind of business. Without a doubt, me, like when I come to your house. She'll ask me crazy questions that start looking in my mouth. Her friends start laughing and I feel just like a jerk. I told them I don't know where my mom and dad work. I really know where they work, but that's between them and me. I can't be putting mom and dad's business in the street, cause if I told her, my parents will work for the state. Right after that, she was to ask me how much money do they make. Then she go around the town, bragging and boasting, telling the neighborhood what my family's grossing. Your mom's, your mom, why is she so nosy? She plays me like a game, but I'm the ring around the rosy. I even seen your dad at the family barbecue. He said, I don't see nothing wrong with my daughter seeing you, but it's your wife, mister. She don't think that I'm charming. She thinks she's Mr. Whippin' and she'll think I'm Squeeze the Charmin. I promise I won't do this to your daughter. Carmen. Cause when I'm with girls, my reputation is not harming. If I'm not on tour, I'm working out at my house. I'll pick your daughter up some time and even take her out. And every time I try to do this, I see without a doubt your wife will follow me around like she's a cop on the stakeout. And when I told the man that, I thought that he would help me out till he said I can't tell her nothing. She kicked me out the house. See, I know you girl. 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 I know, girl, I know, girl, I know girl. Mothers love you and they're concerned But if you don't solve your own problems Then how can you learn? And God, if you're in a relationship like this Don't be afraid to tell your girlfriend Tell her mom to mind a business But after me and you, girl I'd rather stay solo Cause your mom can't mind a business I'ma have to let you go, 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 go. Because your mom is in my business, your mom's in our business, she's in our business. Can't you see, girl? Your mom's trying to end this, your mom's in our business. Let's tell your mom's in our business. Your mom's in our business, she's in our business. Can't you see, girl? Your mom's just trying to end this, your mom's in our business. Let's tell your mom's in our business. Nine oh, 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 nine oh
generation later you can't say in a song uh, uh that you come from a two-family home and you got money and uh the girl you talk to she got a two-family home the moms and the dad and everything like that that was long island you know so in other words basically how is it that uh we went from that to every last single rapper had to come from the hood speaking of which right i got an interesting article to share with you Hey, interesting article with you. Share with you. Okay, let's see. It's about our. Uh, it's about our friend, Suge Knight, who's doing twenty something years in time. He's been in jail. Suge's been in jail, what, locked up like six, seven years now. You know, so you might be looking at Suge another six years. He might be up for parole. So all these people talking about Snoop, man, you better do something. You know? <laughs> so what's born to the road, died to the road. <laughs> all these people like, yo, Shug, just leave me alone or what? Shug's like, Shug's like a mob boss or whatnot. You you born into this, you're into this. You know? But interesting character is Shug Knight that has all this power in the hood. And he was a uh a Peru uh, blood or Crip, whatever it was, you know, Crip or blood, I don't know what the hell it was, you know, who cares, all the same shit. He basically uh, has an interesting backstory, you know, Show Knight was not born in the hood. Let's see. What did I do with that uh the article? I just want to save it. That's one uh rap, for, for example, before I talk about Show Knight, there was another rapper had the same thing. You know, play it. He grew up in the ghetto. He was in the hood. He grew up in Hold the up. All right. So now what you call it, the guy's name is Bong Gang. Bonk Gang. Right now, he proposed to be the hood, everything like that. But his mom is here in the video showing where he grew up. Nice suburban middle class street. Let's talk about that. John Cabana, Boot Gang, said that he grew up in the ghetto. He was in the hood. He grew up in the ghetto in the hood his entire life. He had nothing. He had to eat out of trash. He was running the streets. He was just so poor. Let's let 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 let. Hmm. Let's take a tour of the neighborhood he grew up in. Look at this. What do we have here? What do we have here? Does this house look familiar? Nice house. Wow. Does it look familiar? This is the house he grew up in. This is the house he grew up in. This is the street. Right here, he used to be outside all the time. Him and his brothers and his sister, with no shirt. Tell something. When I be complaining about food prices, and y'all must. Cardi B cutting. No, 
video short. Sorry about that, folks. I'm gonna find that video, Suge Knight. Suge Knight, you know what I'm Suge Knight. Suge. Knight. Little class. Class. The way 50 Cent says it, man, man, I mean, Suge and I, well, I got Suge Knight. They got all these, all these fucking niggas that swear they're so tough. They're so scared of Suge Knight. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, all these dudes are fucking soft. They're fake. You know, somebody grew up in the hood and like that, you know, all that, that yeah, all stupid shit, you know, that you've been, you've been bored. These clowns, these idiots. These deadly clowns have taken over the culture. Suge Knight. Suge Knight. Suge Knight grew up middle class in a nice house. Two parents, right? Parents were professionals and everything. He played football. And one guy told me that everybody that was in that gang life was trying to get out. Suge wanted to get in. He was fascinated by a life. What is it about black America, the life that we try to we say we want the life that martin luther king and malcolm x fought for we reject when you choose the thug life and everything you are rejecting everything that our ancestors fought for you are rejecting and and making a mockery of the legacy of malcolm x the legacy of the honorable elijah muhammad the legacy of marcus garvey when you fall into the, the white man's trap of drugs and fast money and stuff like that, you are a race traitor. You are the enemy within. It's one thing to if you grew up in that and you don't know any better. That's one thing. But when you know better and still you have the chance to get out. Suge had at one time, Death Row Records was worth $100 million. But he basically became something that he never was. He had this skill that they said that Suge Knight, uh, he learned his organizational skill being a captain on a football team. How to lead in the sports, how to inspire people. So he took those skills and made death row records. But one thing he don't understand is that when you're on a team, everybody's trying to win. But when you have people on your team that you trust, that you trust, and they're not winning, they're going to turn on you. So Suge got in over his head. Suge Knight is a middle-class Negro who got fascinated with the thug life. He liked the power. So even when he had money, that wasn't enough. He wanted to be a shot caller. He wanted to be feared. He want people to fear him. This is what you have to understand. I don't buy this nonsense that people uh, are, oh, they're born in a, a thing. No, these people get millions of dollars through their hands, more money than I will ever see. But yet they still choose that life, like young thugs. 
they still choose that life. Because I've said this a long time ago, the thug life, the criminal life, the hood life, everything is a rejection of black America by the misfits. The people feel like they don't have any place in black America. Then black America has to be like this. Is black America an exclusive club? Why do so many of our young men and women feel isolated? Why do they reject marriage? Why do they reject building communities? We had all the means to do all this stuff for a long time, but we rejected it. We didn't want a nine to five job. Now we complain when there's immigrants coming over here and building communities off those jobs that we rejected. Because the misfits told us that going to work every day, paying bills, doing what we got to do, raising our kids, was being oppressed, was, was down, and everything like that. Of course, everybody wants to get to the next level. I get that. But you're not going to get to the next level until we all get there. Some of us can't just make it. You want to sacrifice the, the community for your own thing by making our community violent, so this arrested some other rapper in uh, in Baltimore, and uh, they arrested him. And everything. These guys aren't really that smart. They know the police are looking for him. They're still hanging around town. And everything. They bagged him. Like four got people. That uh, 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 blood. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, let me see. I want to get it right. I'm on a broadcast. It's my responsibility to make sure that I give you accurate information. Let's see. Baltimore. Give me a second, folks. I know it's going to be some dead air. I'm looking something up. Come on, man. Baltimore gang members versus Baltimore. Baltimore gang. Gang number. Members. Okay, there it is. Pop right up. <laughs> Okay, the, the the BGF gang members and associates indicted for federal racketeering conspiracy charge, including murder, murder for hire, drug trafficking, armed robbery, witness tampering. Tyrell Jeffries, aka Whitebread, age thirty-seven. Okay, another article. And then you got the MS thirteen. I didn't know those gang members indicted for racketeering conspiracy. We have a serious gang problem in this culture. And is it because there's not opportunity? Why do people feel so brazen that they think they could do what the Italian mafia couldn't do, survive as an organized criminal element? Six alleged gang members of BGF, member associates, right, Baltimore. Federal jury has returned an indictment, charged six Baltimore men conspired to participate in black gorilla family. That's it. The indictment, which was returned December 15th, was unsealed today, charges following defendants. Darren Waring, a.k.a. Michonne, L.A. Michonne, 30. Uh, young guys, you know. Barack Oles, age 33. Devontae Harrison, a.k.a. YGG Tay, and uh, 28. Wayne Price, a.k.a. Taz, 23. <coughs> Joshua Duffy, a.k.a. Josh age 35, and the, the ringleader, Terrell Jeffries, a.k.a. Whitebread, 37. Duffy dressed, uh, Jeffrey rested today and are expected to have an, an uh, initial uh, appearance in a U.S. Court.
court in Baltimore after this afternoon. Initial appearances for the remaining defendants who are already in custody will be uh, scheduled at a later date. The indictment was announced by United States Attorney from the District of Maryland, uh, Eric L. Barron, Special Agent in Charge, Tony Crosby of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Farmer, Explosive, Baltimore Field uh, Division, Special Agent in Charge, uh, uh, Thomas, so you know, you get the idea. U.S. Attorney's Office committed to working with law, law enforcement partners to stop gang violence. Uh, like that alleged in this indictment, the U.S. Attorney Eric Liberta, gangs will not be allowed to hold the communities hostage through violence and intimidation. According to the indictment beginning in 2014, uh, 2014, so it took them uh, eight years to bring an indictment. Wow. So in other words, they're watching. They're building a case against you, and then they're springing on you. Takes like seven or eight years to get a RICO, a major RICO indictment. So when they do get it, it's a done deal. The uh, the Black Rope Family's nationwide gang operated prisons and cities throughout the United States, found in California. BGF appeared through Maryland Correctional Systems. Although still a prison gang, BGF is involved in criminal activities for murder for hire, extortion, drug trafficking, obstruction of justice, witness station throughout Baltimore and Maryland elsewhere. BGF members are organized into regimes responsible to participate in regions or neighborhoods. Each regime is organized and controlled by a hierarchy called the bubble. Uh, the BGF members are required to follow a code of conduct, including never snitching, never steal from uh, a lion, to never practice homosexual activity. <laughs> oh, that's what really got him indicted. The, you know the LGBTQ people? Say, yeah, man, no homosexuality, and we got to take these niggas out. <laughs> Sanctions include fines, physical beatings, stabbings, and misfortunes. Indictment alleged that BGF members and associates operate street level drug distribution or shops throughout the Baltimore, primarily shipping heroin, cocaine, crack cocaine. Oh, just productive members of black society, you know, here. Uh, uh, the tip, uh, ecstasy and controlled substances. The indictment further alleges that the uh, defendants commit acts of violence, including six murders, 11 shootings, attempted murders, and armed robberies. These violent acts were intended to further the gang's activities, including intimidating witnesses and preventing from cooperating with law enforcement, protecting gang's territory, financial dues played by BGS. <coughs> For example, indictment alleged that on June 29, uh, 2014, Harrison paid a BGS member to murder individual who owed him money for narcotics. Harrison allegedly supplied the BGF member with $10,000 in a gun, which BGF member used to kill the victim, uh, 13 blocks of Orange Street. And what gets me is like this. If you're part of a gang, right, uh, one thing I'm, I'm not hearing is if you're part of a gang and, and, and like that and you criminal organization on a federal level uh, and you order a hit, that qualifies for the death penalty. <coughs> but we'll... Will the death penalty be used? I do believe if they uh, got to the ringleaders with the death penalty, it would stop this stuff. Because nobody wants to be the top head dog when I, I'm the top head dog. You're the one they're going to give the needle to. But this is what you have, folks. And this is how our community is falling apart. Because, and I, and I, I there was a video where uh, there was an old man. And he was talking to one of these uh, social justice activists, city councilman. He was going in on him, saying, y'all ain't doing nothing. He said, well, what are you doing with the kids and all that? Nobody cares. 
The city councilmen don't give a damn about the violence in the community. Or if they could pivot to white people and the white man and else like that, when Baltimore's a black city, you can't put that on the white man. You can't put that on the white man. You know? Okay, oh, yeah, here's this thing from uh, Sugar Night. I'm going to play it later. I'm going to play this uh, uh, thing, just a little bit of it. This old man is like maybe in the 70s, 80s. And he's on the street and he's going at, going at it with this uh, thing. He said, residents are mad because five teens shot and one killed in one, one night. So these older people, old black people are stepping up and saying, we're tired of this. You know, we're tired of this. So hold on, hold on. Hold on. said these, these stupid uh, 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 black females BLM types well what do you do you know see when it, when, <clears throat> when it was Trump was in office they're all up in Trump's face oh yeah the government like but notice how they protect their own people that's in office and this is what you have in these black districts Mayor Lightfoot of uh, Chicago black people she's turned the city into a hellhole Mayor Adams of New York <clears throat> black people won't say anything to him because he's one of them is this what we have? <clears throat> Notice how they instead of saying this old man, we gotta do better. We understand your pain. They're defending this councilman. You run for public office, right? And you're presiding over death and destruction. Then all you care about is making sure Democrats get their agenda passed. <clears throat> all you care about is getting the LGBTQ. Yeah, uh, 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 there. You all you care about is same-sex marriage. All you care about is welfare. Talking about stupid things like reparations, all this kind of stupid stuff to get black people to the polls. All you're thinking about is the 2024 election. How you could basically use that uh, city councilman seat as a stepping stone. 
collar. What are you talking about, collar? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, I think it's time for a jewel. I'm going to get back to that. It's time for a jewel from the college Genesis. If you don't think I know what I'm talking about, it's time to drop a jewel. This guy came out of nowhere, and he appeared around the time when Obama got elected. And I'll be honest with you, right in that time period in the early 2010s, nobody really cared about politics. Black people weren't paying attention. So he appeared in some <coughs> magazines, and he did a photo shoot with Jay-Z. That's what they paid Jay-Z for. If you want some street cred, you get with P. Diddy and Jay-Z and, and have lunch and, and and do the thumbs up sign or whatever sign they do and everything. And he said, Oh, this guy's cool, Cory Booker, blah, blah, blah. And they say a bunch of stupid stuff, what you're going to do for the community, you know? So he unseated, uh, <clears throat> failed the first time, but he unseated a longstanding mayor of Newark, New Jersey. It's been there for decades. Uh, I think maybe it's too long, maybe he's like, but Cory Booker. Now, people thought that Cory Booker. Was going to be this big transformable figure in Newark. We're going to basically like Newark. And I remember when Cory Booker, under his watch, some illegal aliens had killed like four black children that were on their way to college, sitting in a car, beautiful children, on their way to Delaware State University, right? And some Nicaraguan illegals killed them. And for what I hear, uh, that one of the girls was raped. People were angry. People, black America was starting to turn against this illegal alien wave, you know? So he got it and calmed it down and basically said, no, 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 we're a sanctuary city and all this kind of stuff like this. And black people were like, yo, look, we're angry. So we basically just let it go because he was one of us. We were convinced by the celebrities and everything, this guy's one of us. But then we soon realized after a couple of years that that he only went to do a mayor of Newark, right, to raise his profile. For example, he was given $100 million by Mort <coughs> Zuckerberg on, on Facebook. And where'd that money go? $100 million can do a lot. Did Newark improve it all? No. Where did that money go? So we got $100 million in our so-called name. And he, this guy, Cory Booker, didn't produce any results. Then next thing you know, he's running for the Senate, and he gets he now he's in the U.S. Senate. So all these politicians, right? You think this guy that the guys uh, with the ponytail, the guy's argument, cares about Baltimore? No, this is a stepping stone for him to do the right thing for the Democratic National Committee, and then he'll be rewarded by they say, you know something, we want you to run for Senate, we want you to run for Congressman, your political career. Politicians are nothing but glorified prostitutes. 
So this is what you have right here. And people are tired of it. People come into the community, get elected. You know, they send their kids off to college, everything. They get all the perks, the free food and everything, free transportation, ride around this, on this on a public dime, and, and the city is going to hell. So Ashley Cody, this is what we call democracy. Our democracy. Every time I hear black people say that, I feel like, well, I'll smack them side the head. Democracy. There is no democracy. We haven't had democracy since we landed on these goddamn shores, you know? But this is what we have, folks. <clears throat> this is what we have. This is what we have. We have, folks. Let me see. Let me see. So this is what we have, uh, folks. This is what we have uh, uh, ruling us. <coughs> no, we're going to change it. Let's bring it back. Way back. WDAV. DeVilleRadio.com. Oh, 
Adiós. 
called Wizkid with Daddy O. Check him out. The Nigerian, good music and everything. Check him out. You get the time. Uh, back to the, the, the second half. Welcome to the Voice of the Call Nation radio show, broadcasting throughout the world on DeVille Radio and streaming live in your homes. And I'm glad to you welcome me into your life, your home, and everything, the people listening. Um, the thing I want to talk about is the fact that uh, it seems like we have a, an addiction to being led by misfits. Cory Booker was a misfit. No one knew who this guy came from. He came out of nowhere. Same thing with Barack Obama. People are like, damn, I didn't know Obama didn't do nothing for black folks. Well, did he say he was going to do that? Basically, he was saying what everybody else was saying. Get over slavery. Stop being professional blacks. There's no difference between Obama's message and the white conservative. Another misfit, the misfits are people like Candace Owens. They always, the misfits in black America who don't fit into black America, they have no status or no thing. What they do is they stay on the sidelines talking about us. They're not involved with us in anything. They talk about us to white people. They wanted me to pick me. This is the enemy within. The pick me Negro. I'm better than the average Negro. What gets me is, is every time you go around one of these misfits, right? And they see the white people, and I hate being white people being the barometer of acceptance or anything, but this is what it is. But I play this game. I go around being myself, my own swag, style, and everything. And a white person look at me, and I talk with my slang and everything like that. And they'll be like, oh, it's cool, it's cool, and everything. And then the black Negro pick me, enemy within, misfit, right, who don't listen to black music. He's always chasing after white girls and never like that. Oh, you know, you got that. They all got that voice. Yeah, uh, I go to that, that. You know, they got that really, really high-pitched voice and everything. <clears throat> and they don't know that uh, white girls pick up on that. I'll tell a story. There was this one guy, right? He looked like fucking Terrence Howard. Light-skinned guy, like it turns out. He wore his hair slick back, right? With me, my brother, a couple of friends of mine sitting in this bar, you know. And we're sitting there chilling. These white girls come in, these brunette white girls. Bad, whew, these girls were hot. So they were like, we were like sitting there buying drinks and everything. And, and this guy, I think his name was Zeke, Zach. <laughs> it was Zach, dude, the weirdo. And so, uh, now you always think that girls who got game and play dudes for money and stuff like that are black girls but these girls had game and they was like oh such and such is blowing my phone up right and here comes this nigga he shows up like oh we was about to go out bye 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 she was like yo look go somebody i'll see you tomorrow i'm just chilling my friends on but who are these guys over here and blah, 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 blah. and all of a sudden uh when he finally left they was like what a freaking cornball you know and they were like, oh, man, he just obsessed with white girls and all that stuff like that, you know. And a lot of white girls, that's a fucking turnoff. They know what type of dudes that don't like black women. He probably around them talking about black women. 
and stuff like that. And they secretly despise brother dudes like that. They call him brother. They despise dudes like that. He's a clown or cornball among black people. So he goes around white people and talks shit. You know, I can imagine what he says, you know? And they'll say, so she's sitting there sitting with us. And her other girlfriends are sitting there with us, just chilling and whatnot. We're throwing drinks, doing shots and shit. And he comes out like, what's going on? You with these brothers over here. These brothers over here. And they're like, go someplace. Corny. You know? Be corny. So these people think they're going to win by throwing black people under the bus. And the only and then only the only people that like that are the old racist white guys. Old racist white guys love that shit. They love that black guy that they could tell black jokes around and shit like that, you know. People that will disrespect their culture and everything like that in front of them and agree with them on this stupid shit they talk about, the uh, black crime, why don't black people do this, and blah blah blah, you know. But a lot of white girls don't like that shit. Because it's not real, it's not genuine. So the misfits are always going to lose. People don't respect people who don't love themselves and love their culture where they come from. You could be a critique of your culture. When you start hating your culture in front of other people, people pick up on that. They know you can't be trusted. This guy, oh man, you know. And then <laughs> a couple of few years later, at another bar, guess what? I see the same guy. And this uh, one girl that was in there, she was hot. Oh, God damn. She had all black. She was really tan. She was so Indian. I know she was a white girl, but she looked she looked ethnic a little bit. She, oh my God, she was fine, man. She goes, oh, God, this is where I work at. Go look, come to my job. I can never find her job either. Badass white girl. Damn, she was good. Yeah, but she was in. She said, "I'm not white. I'm Indian." So I said, "Okay, I, I can live with that. You're Indian. <laughs> I'll play the game, you know, you know, because you look kind of dark, you know." I, when I touched her hand, her her skin was like mine almost, you know. So anyway, he comes and like, "Yo, we gotta go." So where are we going? You know, we gotta go. We're sitting out there on the balcony, and this was like around 2015. This was something. Like six years later, that same guy, Zach, you know, he's like, well, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We came here together. We got to leave here together. What I should like, oh, I did come here with this fool or not, you know, you know, and, and so the bottom line is this, those type of guys, don't be that, that, that dude. I don't know whether or not, because I could probably bump into him now. He's probably married to some white chick, whatever, like that. He probably sealed the deal, whatever. Got one of them knocked up and he's forced to, she's forced to be with him, whatever like that. But that's what it is. You got dudes out there, people like black people who don't like their own race. They don't like their race because somewhere on the other line, they feel like they were rejected. See, it's all right to be rejected by white people. But everybody feels that they can come into the black culture and be exalted and be praised. That black America should not have rules and standards. And the next thing I'm going to talk about is uh, the sister train. What the sister train is, is a trend that's going on TikTok. And I, I advise anybody, if you want to you know, know what's going on, the discussion that's going on in black America, forget Facebook, YouTube, it's on TikTok. You know, I'll be honest with you. Twitter, 
Twitter and TikTok, two places where you see a lot of black content. Um, a white lady is going around trolling black women. And a woman, black woman, like, look, we don't want you here. Stop. And the white woman's like, well, why do you have a, you already got BT and all stuff like this, HBCUs. And basically, I'm trying to say this. I'm going to drop another jewel, but I'm not playing the, you know, the jewel thing. What this is, is this. It's more deeper than you think this is. These white women are, are radical feminists, LGBTQ types and everything. And the one group of people that they had in the bag was the black female thing. They, these type of white women love Stacey Abrams. They love Stacey Abrams. They love the Oprah Winfrey types. Manless. And so when black women get together and say, look, you know, we want to talk among ourselves, deal with our issues for men and everything like that. We don't want you here. We want to talk to sisters. They can't handle that. They're like, we're women. We got to stick together. That's what the white feminist movement has done. And now black women are starting to break away from that. They say that we destroyed our family, destroyed our culture by following white feminist ideology. And so they're rejecting this stuff of the white feminists. And they're saying to themselves, what are we following these women for? They have white skin. They can move around society. This is what they choose to do. This is what we have to do. And it's not so much as they uh, really care. It's the fact that they need what these allies. Well, if you're an ally to somebody, right, as they call themselves, right, you don't impose them. I see this one white woman say, look, you know, I'm, I, I'm all right for being not on the black woman train. I'm a black woman. She's a southern white woman from Alabama. I like this lady. I see her on TikTok a lot. But I understand why they want to be by themselves and everything. If they want my help, I'll be there, you know, and this, that, and the other thing. I understand that. But the rest of them are like, no, 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 no. And so what's happened is they create this whole thing, just like the so-called the umbrella, the POC, people of color. And we're finding out now that the so-called POC, who get the protection of the black numbers, the black majority, are racist themselves. However, you do have a lot of Asians who call this out. The hypocrisy in the Asian community, everything towards black women, the anti-blackness that's in the Latino culture. But when Trump was in office, all these POC, oh, we got to come together. And black people are waking up to all this. We're lumped into the same category with gays and trans people and all stuff like that. Somebody recently, Cynthia G just recently compared biracial women to transgender. This is how out of whack and out of stuff these people are. Cynthia G is an angry woman because she's a misfit in black America. She's not attractive and she's not a top tier woman and everything. So these women who don't are not adored by black men, not every woman is going to be Beyonce and Olea or TLC, whatever like that, Escape, In Vogue and everything. Some black women are pretty and they're beautiful and they're going to get the attention and they got privilege. And some black women, Lizzo, are not. That's just the way it is. You can't change that. 
You didn't hit the genetic lottery. And so therefore, black people are not allowed to have beauty standards like other people do. We're not allowed to say, okay, this is attractive, is this not? Particularly black men. That's why they hate the passport bros so much. Not that these women want these passport bros, but the fact that uh, if if the woman's sitting back saying, uh, if uh, if I can't be nothing, I'm miserable and everything, you want to sit there and be miserable too. Let me play a passport bros uh, stuff, you know. Let me see. Let me play one of these angry stuff. The passport bros talk about, you know. Let's see. Passport bros. Let's see. Let me find something. Okay, I'm gonna play something. Ooh. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna, I gotta play something quick. Okay, I'm gonna play it in one minute. So I'm gonna play something one minute. And like I said, if you do uh, YouTube videos and everything like that, uh, a little, a little, a little. Uh, broad. It's blanket, but it's broad. That's dangerous. People gotta understand the danger behind grouping a group of people. Passport bros have been visiting nations that are the child-free capitals of the world. Some of those kids have to have many as they or get beat up, get electrocuted, or get an eye poked out. In some cases, their parents sold them because they're no longer able to grow food because the soil is exhausted. You know, um, this is why we need all women to be educated. We need all women everywhere to have access to herbal or non-herbal birth control. And we need all women everywhere to know that they have a choice and they can choose a man of their own race or another race who does not go bald in old age because he's hormonally calmer. And in most cases, that's not going to be a white man because white men have the highest testosterone. Hi. You heard it. You heard it. She's talking about women in, in these foreign countries are desperate and all stuff like that. Now, if a man says, said that, he'd be canceled so fast, you know? It's funny how women could say this about men, but they want to put Andrew Tate in the electric chair for just voicing his opinion about certain types of women. But it's okay for women to just basically make blanket statements about foreign women. They're all desperate and all stuff like this. And men are going over there taking advantage of poor women and all this kind of nonsense, all this kind of foolish and everything. It's all right for them to say that, you know. But if men say stuff like that, you know, oh my God, this, you can forget it. They're going to come to your job, you know. They're going to talk about all this nonsense how you're basically uh taking advantage of women that are poor and all stuff like this 
You know, and so I, you know, a lot of these brothers are going to the Philippines. They go to South America, Europe, Asia, and in some cases Africa, and they're finding women and finding love. They're getting their passport, saving their money, and they're going overseas. They're getting on a plane, they're going overseas. That's the hard part. That's the easy part. Getting on that plane, going overseas. But you got women who don't like that. What we have right now in, in America is the bottom is falling out. You had to know something had to give. You know, you have to know that women in America have basically like given up on family. They've given up on uh, uh, being in a relationship. They've given up on respecting men. Watch any old movie and everything like that. A certain way of women talk. A real woman knows uh, a lot of it has to do with how the women appear. Back in the days, most women were thin. And so, therefore, they commanded some sort of respect. Women walked into a room and everything, you know, men tipped their hat. Men opened the door for them. Men were chivalrous. But women told us that was being oppressive. Being chivalrous and open the door and being a provider, they'll call you Fred Flintstone. They say, yo, get your Fred Flintstone ass out of here. But at the same time, they want you making, I've seen this one woman, this black girl, fat black girl, unattractive, talk about a man has to make at least $600,000. This is mental illness. And why do people get these mental illness? Because they're misfits. There's a man in the black community for you, sister. Jeff Rowe at the, at the uh, Five and Dime, working his way up the supervisor. You better bag him up. He'll make you a fine husband. No, but you want Drake. Not only do you want Drake, not only do they want the finest man, they want that finest man to give them a million dollars a year. They're looking at uh, uh, Aisha Curry. They're looking at Kim Kardashian and, and uh, Dr. Dre's wife. She's getting a million dollars a month alimony and stuff like that. They want that. They want Tiger Woods' uh, girlfriend and also baby mother. They want that sort of money. They feel entitled to that because they forgot their place in society. Society, life is not fair. What part of, like, every time I hear somebody talk and I say, okay, okay, I always, I'm fair. I said, well, what is their grievance? What do they want? You always start with, well, what is exactly what they want? And when you listen to them talk or not, well, you know, I don't have this or not. Well, you're not entitled to that. You're not entitled to, um, to what this person has because that person brings more to the table. That person has looks. That person is beautiful. That person's uh, popular. So so you can't have that. You want to destroy the whole system. If I can't have the man I want and whatnot, I'm not going to have men at all. I'm going to chase Pookie and Ray Ray and have kids out of wedlock, you know, get child support from 
this guy. That's why that's what you have. You have women out there. They get pregnant, 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 and it's happening all the time. They get basically the uh, okay. I got to settle for this guy over here. I will settle for him. I saw a video the other day where a woman said, "Why are you buying a son? He's not your son." He goes, "You waited seven years to tell me uh, that he's not my son. No, he's not your son. Stop buying him stuff." I do something. There's another video where this guy was like, "I take care of your kids." The woman's like, "So what?" This guy's crying. I do everything. Everything. He's crying. They get the dudes that they call lames to fill in, pay bills, and they basically uh, punish these men. Punish these men because they can't get the man they really want to submit to come to them, submit to them, and act right. So basically, they get the lames, make their life hell. And I tell all the brothers, now, do you basically um, uh, 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 agree with that, Colin? I said, do you feel sorry for them? I don't know. I don't know because, like I said, I was young at one time. I was basically thinking my dick at one time. But one thing I did not do is get involved with a woman to the point where I'm taking care of her kids and stuff like that. I just would not do that. Some guys do that because they want um, the idea that they were they want to they still but a lot of most black men still believe in the idea of family and stuff like that. It's not cool for a man to be in his forties, whatever like that, and not settle down and everything. Society still put this pressure on men to settle down, have a family, and everything, or at least to have the appearance of that. So a lot of women will use that, right? When you're young. And you're still trying to find yourself and everything. You have to basically put away. I got girls. I got women. Everything like that. When you get older, nobody looks at an older man and be like, "Okay, he ain't got no woman." Whatever like that. You know, you have to know that this guy's probably had women and choose to be single. That's why that doesn't affect men in their when they turn like age like 45 and over. We're not affected by that pressure to be in a relationship. Because as you get older, the more attractive you have you are to women. You have age and experience. And younger women are naturally attracted to that. I see it all the time. If I was a player, I could have women in there as young as 19, 20, because I'm an older man. But I know I'm not going to get with no young girl when I don't have the time, the energy, whatever like that, to mess with a young girl. But young girls love older men because what you say, you're not basically, they get sense of the fact that you could take them or leave them. And you're not like that. And they, and they basically, that's why you see younger women being attracted to older men. And a lot of women don't understand, older women don't understand that. What is young girls seeing as older men? It's maturity. And that's maturity and age and experience is something that's irresistible to women. You bend where where she's trying to go. And women are attracted to older men. It's just just that's just a, a, a natural thing. And older men, we know that. That's why we don't feel like we have to. We feel like we don't feel like we have to uh, bow down to uh to women 
you know, feel like, okay, yeah, you know, when it happens, it happens. And it does happen. It does happen a lot. Men will be like, okay, you're out. And next thing you know, uh, you're meeting women, and uh, it's no pressure. Especially if you get with an older woman. You know what you want, she knows what she wants. You know? So therefore, you can make things happen. But when you're a young guy, you're desperate. Women, women sense that. You got to show off. You know, when you're older man, you don't have to show off that you got a woman. You know? You don't have to show off.
Don Omar. Okay, in concluding this tonight's show, I got one segment left, half a segment left. Okay, we're talking about the enemy within, the misfits, the people who basically don't fit into the culture. So they therefore they have a duty to change our culture uh, to fit their uh, agenda. Um, our culture in Black America has always been law-abiding, uh, hard work. We value education. You look at our leaders; they set the path of what we should be. Carter G. Woodson, W. B. Du Bois, Marcus Garvey—all these people are turning in their grave when they see the culture was became. The people that basically hate Black America are now ruling Black America. And they want to destroy all the institutions, all the values, and all the stuff that we sustained ourselves in this country. The people that hate our culture don't want to admit the success in Black America. We have way more success than failure in Black America. I will put Black America and our success and our achievements and accomplishments up against anybody, any group of people at any time in history. I'll put our inventors, our scientists, our thinkers, our writers, our musicians. I'll put all that up against anybody. Throw, throw, throw what you have up. Like LL said, put up your hood, your crib, your speakers, your heart. Yeah, whatever you want to throw up, I'll throw up too. I'll match and surpass anything representing Black America and the African American community and African American nation. You do not have to embrace Africa. And I'm going to finish by talking about something that's been talked about. You do not have to embrace Africa by throwing Black America or your African-American heritage under the bus. You do not throw your ancestors under the bus. You do not throw your music and everything. Else. You could say you could be a critique of it. You could say this is where it's going. But if you know Black America, you know that there's forces that came in there and co-opted co and changed our culture. If you know Black America, you know what the real Black America is. So all this garbage that people put out in the air and stuff like that, you know that's not us. Shout out to Sea uh, Butter, you know. James Perkins and Chris, Sea Butter Barnes, they do the Sea Butter Experience, uh, a Sea Butter Experience on Saturdays on Deville Radio. If let me tell you something, you really want to get amped on music and hip hop and DJing, cutting and mixing everything the way it's supposed to be done, you got to tune in on Saturday afternoons, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Show Butter Experience. You see, we have enough material to do DJing and, and rocket with all the stuff that's been out there. We don't have to make any another music again. You got whole stations, right? That uh where rock changed, right? You got still got people who play radio stations that get top billing that play nothing but classical rock. And they're rocking it. They did that so much that you don't even really see real heavy metal come out anymore. Because all the old school made their mark. 
But what we have now is this. I was watching this thing the other day where this young guy was saying he was listening to the only book with Cuban Link for the first time. He said, man, this is amp. Man, we got to learn from these guys right here. Only built a classic album. And a lot of young people don't even know this stuff. So when you listen to albums like that, you listen to Rock Hymns, uh, I check out my melody. And people, and one guy was like, listen to check out my melody for the first time. And he said, on YouTube, they have a thing about first time listening. They had a, a Liquid Sword album. They're like, damn, this is off the chain. Wu-Tang album. They have uh, all different types of uh, albums that you listen to for the first time. Red Man. They're like, damn, man, what happened to our music? It's been co-opted and commercialized. But if you know real culture, instead of saying, okay, we got our culture. We got our culture. This is what we're basically saying. This is what black music is. When you look at Aretha Franklin, Stephanie Mills, Gladys Knight, you know, uh, 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 Natalie Cole, all the beautiful black African-American culture. How the hell are you going to throw black America under your culture and everything you built under the bus? That's an abomination. You do that, you are a race traitor to your people. You don't just dismiss the whole everything that our people have built, which we basically, our culture, basically, I played that reggaeton for a reason. Reggaeton derived from black African-American hip-hop culture and soul music and, and reggae. But somehow it seems that when it comes to African-Americans, we're not allowed to be proud of who we are. We let people talk about us, shit on us, take the worst of what we are and make that the what we are, who we are. The worst of what we are becomes who we are. But no more. No more. We're going to stand up for our community and stand up for our heritage. I'm not gonna, I'm not willing to sell. I'm a pan African. I love Africa. I think we should build there, invest there, and everything like that. But I'm not gonna sell my race out, my people out for 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 Africa. It's not gonna happen. Now we can merge the two and learn from each other and build together. That's fine. That's a that's a fake pan Africanist. People who really are misfits in black America, so they go to Africa and try to be like, oh, well, black America, shit on black America while you go to Africa. You should go to Africa with your head high. You shouldn't go there and defeat. You should go there and triumph what we was able to do in this country against the odds. No other group of people has ever came from slavery and was able to conquer and, and thrive in a country that oppressed them. That's something to be proud of. No other group of people is able to, after all the Jim Crow, after everything they did to us, we still produced a middle class. We still built colleges. We still built everything in Black America, staying ourselves. Yeah, we got problems right here, and everything. But it's, but basically, the problems are by the misfits in our community, the people that want to be criminals, the people that want to destroy our community. The people that want to make our neighborhoods unsafe because they don't like they don't want to be there. And a lot of them don't live in the community, but they come in the community and participate in aggregate. I saw this one thing not too long ago. You know, and it never I never really paid much attention to it, right? And one guy was saying, uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was it happened in real life. 
I had people that told me in Norfolk, right? They said we had nice neighborhoods, right? And they said some of the kids that would come here and participate in drugs and gang activity didn't live in our community. And you want to know what something else? They came from more affluent black communities, but they want to participate. They want to not participate in the crime of bringing that stuff to their communities. So they would go in places like um, uh, 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 Diggs Park in Norfolk, Diggs Park in Norfolk, right? That's a project. And the kids at um, Berkeley, these are mostly middle-class black kids, right? If you want to become a drug dealer, you go to uh, Diggs Park. And Diggs people are like, yo, man, we were just trying to live our life. We're not. And these guys come here with their drugs and their crime and everything like that, right? To participate in it. That's the life they want to live. So they get with the, the ignorant people in our community, and that's what happens. People have no idea how black people, like Suge Knight, perfect example, come, in, come from affluent black communities, working class, middle class communities, right? But they're attracted to the worst element of the other community and make it the situation worse. If you come from a, a better black community, you come down to the to the and you get with the worst elements of black America, you know, you're participating in destruction. To the outside world, it looks like all the same. Black with black is black. So so the black is black to the average white person. They don't see the difference between people who come from working class where the families own a home and everything. They got a chance and everything in life, but they blow it because that's what they're attracted to. There's this lie that black people are attracted to a cycle of poverty and misery and everything. That's a freaking lie from the pit of hell. People get into gangs and drugs and bad activity because they want to. Because they reject hard work. They reject a decent life. They want to live that fast life. It happened in Compton, California. People moved out to Compton and the suburbs of Compton and everything. And guess what? Some of the bad element follow them out there. Some of the bad, the good, the people, bad element that moved to Compton reached back into uh, South Central, so it became all one and the same. The gang, I see it all the time. The gangs will come out and recruit in the suburbs, and you got people in the suburbs will go into the cities seeking out gangs and seeking out like that, that because they want to look cool in their neighborhood. They want to go back to their community, which they think is soft, right? And they want to come back with blood and crypt. Colors. I've seen it happen in black middle class communities all across America. Because you are a misfit. That boy that's going to the uh, recital, he's on his way to college. You're not on your way to college. That dude is on his way to the army. You're not on your way to the army. Why not? So where do you where do you get things like that? You turn to the negativity. I don't buy this crap, you know, that all oh, people are there because like this. If we understand that thing, that jewel I just dropped, right? Then we can solve the problem. As long as we have girls, right? Girls, I see it all the time. Middle class black girls, they go out there and into the hood and seek the freaking thing and they fall in love with the thugs and everything. There was this one girl named, I think her name was Kenya Johnson, right? This was back in the early 90s. She had a Jamaican, and this girl named Africa, I forgot her name, back in like the early, when Barack Obama like this. Two cases. And both these girls are light-skinned, pretty girls. There's one girl back in the late 80s, right? She was part of a, 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 a going to Hampton University. And she got hooked up with a drug dealer. 
So what happened was the drug dealer got shoot out with the police and she was killed. But she got caught up and she was facing 25 years to life in jail. But guess what? Charlie Rangel, all the black politicians, oh, she was a victim. She knew what the hell she was doing. She chose that life. She was in a college. She had a scholarship, everything. But she chose to throw it all away. Why? To make us look ridiculous. Make the black uh, community look freaking foolish. She rejected that. She wanted to run with the thugs. She wanted the fast life. And when you really look deep at it, folks, right? A lot of people are only one generation into the middle class and everything like that. They still got ties to that mentality. The music and, and the bad culture is reaching uh, segments outside. That's why it's important what comes on the airwaves. And this is important that we have our own television program and we tell young girls and whatnot, it's okay to have that. Then what gets me is when the girls, either they're going with the thugs and the pookies and ray rays, or they'll go with a white boy. There's nobody basically saying, yeah, let's build black America. Uh, 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 where's our Carlton Banks at? Where's our Will Smith at? Where's our Theo Huxables at? You know, that life that Bill Cosby tried to show to us and whatnot is dying. Nobody wants to be part of, take the work in building black America. It's corny. It's lame. But guess what? The immigrants are doing it. They're coming over here and whatnot. The Mexicans basically uh, uh, fighting. They got Mexican gangs and everything, but they still got a strong community. Why? Because they got marriage and family and everything like that and values. Something we don't want to have. That fast life is not going to get us any place. And I want to play that uh, thing with uh, Suge Knight. Okay. players do. Suge Knight in Little League, you know, with a baseball cap or a baseball uniform on. Wow. Uh, he had an offer to play for the 49ers, but he wanted to do gang shit. He had an offer to play pro football. In the middle of Compton, in a lower middle class neighborhood with working class parents. His parents, they were very family oriented. And in that neighborhood, most black families <laughs> didn't have a mother and father in the same house. Suge was a good kid. Which college? That's what good kids do, go to college. Well, we're ready to get it underway. We couldn't have asked for a more perfect afternoon for a college football game, could we? He was a good football player. Should have got his sacks in there. Sets up. Now he's going to run it up the middle. 45 and dives near the 48-yard line. 
game. I had to get myself bets. How many dudes I was gonna hurt. I did enjoy the contact. I, I did enjoy hitting. Here's the snap. He drops back on the draw, but he runs into a lineman right at the 40-yard line and falls forward to the 41. The tackle made by Marion Knight, a 6'2", 260-pound senior. Was one of those uh, defensive linemen that was there. Pretty, he was pretty aggressive. His whole mentality years later in the record business all came from playing football. You know, I'm going to go out and get this one way or the other. Sports was a major part of my life for discipline. And sports teach you how to respect people. And they get respect. But sports also taught you that if somebody's trying to knock you down, you knock them down. There was a time where I was having a question <coughs> with a guy at, at the school. I casually mentioned it to Shug, and he, and he asked me if I need I need any help. So I was I was thinking about it. I said, yeah, I probably could use some help. And then, you know, he raised his shirt and, you know, asked just off butt of a gun. And so I said, oh, no, 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 no. No, not that. No, I'm good. In Vegas, Suge started showing a behavior uh, that was violent. He thought that I was with some man. One day, my car stopped on me, and Suge put sugar down my gas tank. He denies it, but he did it. I come to get my car back. All the windows busted out. One time, he pulled my ponytail down to his lap and reached behind the seat, and all I can hear is this crunch, crunch, crunch. I'm like, did you just really cut my hair? He didn't want nobody else to like me, and he thought that since he liked my hair, that if it was gone, nobody else would like me either. Why I got married to this man, I don't know, but why not? I loved him, he loved me. Why not be with this man? He didn't come up being a gangbanger, but he glorified it. And I think if you talk to most people who really had a street life, they spent most of their time trying to get out of the street. Suge spent a lot of his time trying to get in the street. Gang life leaked into this pro sports aspirations and it wound up killing it. He was a senior. The ball season was coming to an end. He had an offer with the 49ers and he ran into a problem. Ricky Crockett, a friend of Suge Knight's, he's in Las Vegas. There's a dispute that happens. They have a confrontation that gets so heated that Suge pulls out a gun and shoots him. I get a phone call and he said he shot his friend. And I'm like, you did what? It's not a life-threatening injury, thankfully. It's his friend who refuses to cooperate with the police. He had a slap on the wrist for it. He was put on probation for, I think he had like five year probation for that. He lost that contract with the 49ers because they didn't want to deal with the violence. <laughs> I see his uh, wife, oh yeah, why not? He was violent, he almost killed me and whatnot, cut my hair off, but why not? You know, I, why not? That's That's what you're dealing with, folks. That's what you're dealing with. You deal with a culture. That's what it is. Till we have a cultural revolution in Black America, I don't know how this is going to happen. You know, when the mainstream media billions of dollars are put into promoting negativity and stuff like this, and elevating people like the Shug Knights of the world, or not, what chance do the youth have? What chance do they have when all they see is death, destruction, violence all over the place? What chance do they really have? It is what it is, folks. It is what it is. So, but, you know something? We're going to take it out with some uh, 
music the last couple minutes. And this has been the Call of Genesis, uh, chief host of the Voice of the Call of Nation radio show. I'll be back next week. Same caller time, same caller channel on DeVille Radio, the number one urban black radio station in the world. And good night. <laughs>